Hello, this is Dan McKeown. You're listening to the djmcloud.com slash 64 podcast. Well, tonight's show, uh, I'm going to discuss iOS 9. There's also, maybe uh, maybe I'll touch on uh, Google kind of rebranding itself as Alphabet. We'll get into that a little maybe, and... Uh, let's uh, let's take a look uh, in a second at what all the right-wingers have to say about the Pope's visit. Uh, before we get into that, uh, I just want to tell you the show is brought to you by Ryukayu Frontend Framework. You can find out more information. Use it to help build your website at danmckeown.info slash Ryukayu, R-Y-U-K-Y-U. Let's get into the clips. Taxing the rich, taxing fossil fuels, and redistributing the wealth? That's exactly what they're trying Y'all to do. Y'all be rude to that. the horror of capitalism. He's anti-trickle-down economics. He supports the Iranian deal. His job Fuck is to get you. souls into heaven. Period. His job is not to tell governments how to spend money. This is what? just pure Marxism coming out of the mouth of the Pope. There's no such unfettered capitalism that doesn't exist anywhere. Are, are you avoiding talking about the greed reality? Is this an anti-capitalist Pope? The Pope sounds Get like over. he is against capitalism. He has a Marxist background. This Pope is a world government promoting, anti-gun, global government carbon tax guy, and it's sick. The same people who gave us Obama gave us this Pope. Do you think he's going to get political at all and talk about America's worship of money and uh, our green energy? I could buy my Titanic salon. A dangerous person on the planet is somebody who's seeking strange new respect from their adversaries. And that is what the Pope is doing. I don't believe that's true at all. We are not bamboozled by a clean white outfit and a huge cross. I've asked whatever people if I could put together a team of people that could actually teach the Pope. He comes out of a Latin Hello? American strand of Catholicism that is frankly sort of anti-capitalist and anti-bourgeois. Go visit I don't, I don't even know. This is what capitalism is. We're not buying this big lie. He is a Malthusian. Does this Pope understand America? The Pope is saying we have to give and give no! and give rich. We have to give and give and give until we're all poor. And I think it's up to yes. the Catholic people to turn their backs on this Pope before it is too late, before they wake up and find out that they're in chains. You have a Pope doing this. Goodbye! planetary government. He doesn't want to be your grandfather's Pope. He wants to be a modern Pope. All he needs is dreadlocks and a dog with okay. a bandana, and he could be on Occupy Wall Street. The Pope is a danger to the world. Uh, and as far as oh, I'm concerned, this Pope needs an exorcism. Asshole. But, okay, so... You need... George Will is a disaster. This guy's a disaster. Honestly, another one, Carl Rove. No, he's terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. He still thinks that Mitt Romney won. He's still going around saying, I think he won. This guy raised, think of this. He's a joke. He raises money pretty well. He raised last cycle, last, the last presidential election. Big he raised four hundred and thirty-four million dollars and didn't win one race. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? And I understand it because I saw some of the commercials that he made. I saw a commercial he made against Barack Obama, and I called. I don't care. Who did that commercial? It's one of the best commercials I've ever seen. He used that firm. They're phenomenal. 
But I didn't realize it was against Obama. It was so good for Obama. That was the Hello. reason. Government comes out with a statistic on unemployment. Last statistic said that official unemployment was 5.3%. But what they forgot to tell you is that statistic did not include those people who have given up looking for work, those people who are working part-time, add it all together, real unemployment is over 10%. This is a big deal. And let me tell you something that almost nobody talks about. Last month, I asked the Economic Policy Institute to do a study to find out what real youth unemployment and underemployment was in America. And okay. this is what they came up with. For kids who are high school graduates between 17 and 20, if you're white, real unemployment, 33%. If you are Hispanic, real unemployment, 36%. If you are African American, real unemployment for those kids, 51%. And tell me why. We cannot turn our backs on an entire generation of young people. This kid is a gamer. He's a follower. He's a playmaker. And a shot caller. In case you didn't know, Senator Sanders shatters the mold. And all he does is win. All, all he does is win games. Listen, Senator Sanders shatters the mold. And all he does is win. All, 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 he, all he does is unleash. Let him go. It's time. Does that sound like a logical thing to do? Right. On Sunday. Unleash. Huh? Let him go. It's time. Turn him loose. Let him play. To this discussion about this insane treaty that's in front of Congress. Thank you for being here and raising a voice of sanity. For gathering to uphold the promise that was made, that promise really? never again. And thank you for gathering as we can because we are still a free people. And if you love that freedom, think of that. Um, maybe. We thank you. Oh, and, uh, you know, since our president won't say it, since he still hasn't called off the dogs... We'll say it. Police I don't know anything. The first responders all across this great land. We got your back. We salute you. I don't believe that's true at all. Thank you, police officers. No. Sarah Palin, I didn't listen to her speech. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Yes. I don't care what Sarah Palin says anymore. Sarah Palin has become okay. a clown. I'm embarrassed that I was once for Sarah Palin. Honestly, I'm embarrassed. Why do I say that about Sarah Palin? How could you possibly say that about Sarah Palin? Because I don't know who she is anymore. What are you so angry about? I don't know what she about? stands for. I saw a clip of her talking to Donald Trump. What the hell is that? I don't even know who she is anymore. You're kidding I don't know what me. what she stands for.
I don't know. She doesn't know what I stand for. We had a falling out long ago because she listened to people who were lying to her about me. Fine. Don't care. Oh, you're don't shitting me. about the economy. Let us be very clear. Millions of our fellow Americans are working at wages that are much, much too low. People yeah. should not in this country have to work 50 or 60 hours a week in order to survive. Yeah. The federal minimum wage of seven and a quarter an hour is a starvation wage. It has got to be raised to a living wage. Yes. Bernie Sanders is going to be able to keep winning. He's, he's been moving up the polls. Do I think he's going to keep winning? Um, All he does is win. We have a long way till the election, and I guess winning would be the ultimate. So, do I think he's going to keep winning? I don't know. I think it's, it's really... It's a long road? Yeah, it's a long road. It's mm-hmm. early. Um, this is going to be washed out soon by holidays. I'm sure the politicians will comment on it, and then we'll move into the new year, and then we'll talk about politics again. But this is just an early, like, you know, rattle of the gold pan to see who falls through and who shines. Yeah, like Martin O'Malley is is barely clinging to relevance. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that there's, like, the A group and the B group for debates, you know. Well, on the Republican side, but the Democratic side, how many uh, serious contenders are there? Bernie Sanders... Uh, Hillary Clinton, and then uh, Martin O'Malley wants to be, you know, taken seriously in the race, and, you know, I guess there's a few other people. I think Hillary's gone um, a little dark because she needs to shore up her shit, basically, and figure out how she's going to respond to the long road ahead. Well, yeah, she, um, I guess, I guess that, uh, I've, uh, I've heard that, that, uh, you know, People just seem to be talking about Bernie Sanders a lot. Well, so, he's something different and new and exciting. Um, he live tweets the Republican debate. I mean, he's got this kind of cool factor to him. You know, he's kept he with the kids on well, Twitter. Well, you know, live tweeting. I'm going to live tweet the Republican debate now. That's what he sounds but, like. But, yeah, I know, but it would be good to be able to do, like, has anyone, have they started to do impersonations of him on, like, Saturday Night Live? I don't have terrestrial TV. 
Uh, <laughs> fair enough. I guess but, I could probably just go on the internet, uh, but um, um, Saturday Night Live lost lost its like factor for me a long time ago. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing is is I was thinking about it, and the the time when Saturday Night Live was coolest to um to me was was just before I could really be able to watch it much. It was on too late, and I was in. You know, I was in a house where I had a lot of younger siblings, so having the the TV on at that hour, even at that slightly earlier Chicago uh, late night primetime hour, still too late to be able to to manage having a TV on at that hour most of the time if I was like, you know, when I was like in grade school and stuff. It it like seemed really cool. And then I was into it in college. Yeah. I guess it's just if you're up at midnight, why are you watching TV? (laughs) (laughs) you should be doing something better than that right well yeah i uh i I mean was there a cool factor to being on so late that like people stayed up to see it or no you know what it was i think it was in high school when people would talk about it like you know what i mean uh afterwards i guess actually it wasn't very it wasn't very cool when i uh when i was uh, in college but I think that was because maybe the cast was already it was it was already changing from like the classic cast that was there in the mid nineties. And didn't it used to start at midnight and then they like moved it back to like eleven? I I'm not something? sure what times they they put it out there. You know, one of the things is it it, it drags, right? Like 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 the music um, acts were boring and there were some like weird skits and bad stuff and well, they would often shoehorn people in that were like cultural figures of the moment and weren't maybe very good at comedy. I mean, how good was Michael Jordan in comedy sketches? You know what I mean? Like, he. But they had him as a as a host. You know, like so. Right. That that added right. a lot of dead air because in like the <laughs> mid nineties they had a great cast. I mean, this coming you know, from a Jordan fan, mind you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Of and I, I wouldn't say he was. Yeah. Not exactly. On the screen. <laughs> no, I, I don't. And I don't think he's especially. I don't think he's especially bad on the screen or anything by any means. But he's not a. You know what I mean? A professional actor. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't doing it at the day to day. You know what I mean? I don't even know how good he'd be if he worked at it. But that's not the point, right? I mean, he wasn't. There's these people. There's all these people that were trying to get on that were like, uh, like like we we watched that Chris Farley movie. The documentary that seemed to be kind of um, backed by his family, so semi-official biography documentary. Yeah. What did you think of that? I liked it. Chris Farley. They showed a lot of like really good Chris Farley clips. True. Um, and you got to like see a lot of really famous people who have worked with him and great comedians comment and talk on it, but then. The only disappointing part was that they didn't really talk about his drug use and what really happened at the end, and they kind of rushed towards the end, and like, oh yeah, he died, and they were like, he was wrong, he was bad, drugs, and the life, and this and that, and I was like, you guys all say you're supposedly his friend, you know, you're all commenting on his fucking biography. They glossed over a lot. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? This is your opportunity to be like, this is what really fucking happened. Because what the fuck they, really happened to they Chris didn't Farley? Get into he his was brilliant. Much. He was amazing. You yeah. just watch this whole whatever 
90 minutes of him being so brilliant and amazing and funny and just like, wow. Yeah, like an unstoppable comedic force. You understand from his father and his brothers and his life growing up where he did, why he's like the way he is. Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And then it's like, and then drugs and then what? You know, like what drugs were they? Was, were there the depression? A lot of heroin. Other things. Yeah. What really Um, happened? Yeah. Well, they didn't get into his personal life too much. They, they showed him. And and uh, and a, a red carpet or something where where and they mentioned someone who I think was also interviewed and said ex girlfriend on yeah. on the the label, but they didn't get into that very much, did they? And that mm-hmm. was like they didn't get into too much else about about uh, his kind of relationships or his friendships toward the end. Did he have a different group of people that he was hanging out with with the drug kind of culture? And, you know, those those people, I mean, maybe they didn't, inter- there were other people they could have interviewed. Or do you think the people that were interviewed were kind of glossing over, or they, they edited that a lot of that stuff out? I think things started going downhill when he wanted to look like Christian Slater. Who wanted to look like Christian Slater? Chris Farley. He started, like, slicking his hair back. I think that's probably when he started, like, running in a weird crowd, like... I think he just, he wanted to be, he just wanted to be somebody else. And maybe the drugs were just an escape from who he really was. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it could be. Uh, You know, I guess he was from a long line of like the heavy set Midwestern funny men, you know, kind of like, I mean, so people compared him to John Belushi, compare and contrast. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, I think there are. There's some areas where uh, uh, they seem to talk a lot. They said when there people were other comedians were being interviewed that he didn't write but he would act. So he so he would need the other comedians to write him in, like David Spade or yeah. Adam Sandler or Chris Rock or somebody. Yeah, and I I actually felt that David Spade was pretty honest, and I felt like Mike Myers was kind of weird. He's, he is kind of weird. He, what did he, he I, I, just, I don't know, he guarded, just, like the way he yeah, seems a lot of times, distant? He would say things like, you know, I don't know, and he was like about the whole thing, like, Mike, yeah, I know, man, you know, and he's like, Chris, what are you doing, you know? So it's kind of like, all right, but like, you just went into his dressing room and said, what are you doing? Like, obviously, like, that didn't work. You know, I don't know. I think... There's probably a lot of guilt. I think people probably felt bad that they didn't do more. Yeah. And something probably I mean, just got him. He probably just got a bad batch of heroin or stuck it in the wrong place. I don't know. Is that how he died? Kind of like they said an overdose or something? I, I think that may be. They didn't really say in the movie, even. Uh, yeah. The, the, I'm, I'm looking at, at Chris Farley's uh, movie credits. So, you know, there's stuff... You know, it's for the first one he's credited as an actor as Wayne's World '92 as a as a security guard. Yeah. And it's interesting; he was in a lot of those kind of minor classic '90s comedy movies, uh, including, uh, as I said, Wayne's World, uh, Wayne's World Two. Although I don't know, that's pushing <laughs> it. Um, also, also Billy Madison, and um, I remember he's the crazy truck driver. And so that, and then all, then you can also list that he was in Airheads and, and like I said, Wayne's World 2 and Coneheads, but those are pretty, those aren't even minor classics. Those are just 
Miners SNL era comedy movies. They're all SNL comedy movies. Um, yeah, I think effectively Airhe- Airheads was more or less effectively one, although I think actually it may have just had Sandler and Farley in it. It may not have been, you know what I mean, in the Lorne Michaels kind of universe, whereas I'm pretty sure that uh, Coneheads was, although although it wasn't... Aykroyd, Aykroyd was already, this was 93, I mean, Aykroyd already made some pretty big movies, Blues Brothers and Ghostbusters and stuff, so I don't think he necessarily needed that, but I think he kind of was still, you know, anyway, he was using SNL people. I felt like Dan Aykroyd was, like, acting in that, too. Dan like, Aykroyd. You know, he was just like, you never it was know. just a shame, you know, he was, <laughs> he was the sad, old actor, mentor kind of guy, and... Yeah, he did though, didn't he? Like, like everybody looked older, uh, and well, that was kind of weird. Like Mike Myers looked old. A- Aykroyd you know, but, um, is uh, Spade. Ah, Spade you know, looks pretty good, a- but a- Aykroyd yeah. is very unpredictable. You never know what he's gonna talk about or what he's gonna say. I'm, I've seen him in some interviews about Belushi because they'll he'll feature mm-hmm. very heavily in those. I don't know. You know, I guess he's seen. Maybe that's interesting. Interesting point. Maybe that kind of brought up a lot of those feelings. Oh, I think so for sure. I think he was definitely projecting some of his feelings about uh, John Belushi onto Chris Farley because I think he knew Chris Farley and was friends with Chris Farley probably, but they weren't, you know, contemporaries. Aykroyd was already sort of like a a comedy legend uh, in the 90s when uh, when, when Farley was making his name. So it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, Like he was, yeah, that way, that frustration, like you said, it was kind of visceral. It was sort of more like a peer. And I think in some ways he was maybe talking to his... His, his former partner, you know, because that, because, yeah, Belushi was a big, uh, uh, you know, a major uh, partner for Aykroyd. Like, people say, I think, that not only, of course, did, did he write, you know, the main role in Blues Brothers for him, but then he also wrote Bill Murray's role in Ghostbusters for Belushi. Uh, uh, that's what, that's like what people say, you know, like people repeat that story, I don't know. Oh, Bill Murray. Yeah, Murray, I mean, what had some other hits anyway, so it doesn't really matter for Murray, but it was a Belushi opportunity. Obviously, he would have played it a little differently, uh, but but I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe there are some valid comparisons. I mean, you know, uh, between those two. Uh, but then, you know, as time went on, so he so Farley started doing his own movies. Ninety five, then uh, Tommy Boy, and so they did talk about Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Ninety five, ninety six, and I think they gave him f- a reasonably fair shake. Tommy Boy sort of fairly remembered fairly fondly. Like some people, like I still like it. Um, Based on his life, essentially, right? That it, was the kind of gist you got from this documentary. You know, it really was. I'm, I'm like retconning or whatever because, uh, because um, th- this movie came after. But to the way that um, Eminem's movie um, is about his life, he Eminem was never called Rabbit, but um, but Eight Mile was loosely based. Very, very, Inspired by. very much loosely based. A couple yeah, of is, scenes that they it, took and maybe made comical. Yeah, but but like there's you know he's he's growing up in the Detroit area under fairly you know uh, rugged uh, you know circumstances and it's it has uh, you know it has his attempt to rise as a as a rap star. Kind of what he was doing was trying to rise as a national. Um, entertain hip hop entertainment act rather than a local hip hop battling act, but you know like a lot of uh, parallels, right? Like I think that's a, that's true to an extent with 
Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. Yeah, like his his father was a uh, was a contractor, a businessman. But but you know what I mean. Like and then it, it it's sort of it's sort of like a, an alternate universe, I guess, where he's actually taken over for his dad, not just interning him for a, for a while. Because it was some company in Madison, right, in Madison, Wisconsin, yeah, that he actually worked for. And I think that Tommy Boy is supposed to be set in somewhere in the Midwest, Ohio, or something like that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, yeah, like you said, they vary a few things, but, but that has a, a parallel with his life. Whereas then Black Sheep, I don't know, how much do you think Black Sheep was based on one of his brothers, you know, like, because there, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a strong brother relationship. He did have a family with, like, some, some siblings and stuff, so I, you know, they're interviewed. He has those brothers that are, that are, you know, are, are talk a lot in the movie. So I don't know, you know, maybe there is something there, too, about that one, but... But Black Sheep wasn't quite as popular. I think, you know, like, I think they gave it a fair shake in that movie, I think. Cause, I mean, it's it's reasonably good. They don't oversell those movies, but they talk... Now, here's something they don't bring up at all. Almost Heroes. He was he was definitely in that, 1998's Almost Heroes. I don't really remember that movie. <laughs> Almost Heroes is, um... Is a uh, a very as as a, at least a somewhat forgotten movie. Uh, I think I can see the movie it, poster. Is it a bunch of like Saturday Night Live? Adam Sandler's in it, and they're like weird uh, superheroes. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? What else could it possibly be then? Uh, it's it is actually. A mock Lewis and Clark farce. Um, oh, it, where he's dressed in period clothes. Uh huh, and it has Matthew Perry in it. Now I want I Luke will Perry. You know, oh Matthew Ma- Perry from, from Friends. Friends. Now I want I will say this. I got to admit, I think of it as being fairly funny. It's not funny. And you know my, uh, I'm saying the movie. The, the the with its kind of farcical but but somewhat um you know uh amusing plot and and their admittedly probably fairly drunk acting is actually I think it's actually a pretty good as a comedy movie and <laughs> I will tell you my siblings will will tell you it is awesome they will tell you it is excellent you can ask 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 uh you know uh either my sisters or I'm pretty sure either my brothers Definitely, my sisters. They're I'm crazy about it. They love this them movie. That the next time I have them on the Christmas exchange. Well, I hope to, but they might already own it. They might well already own it. Um, it's it's like it's it's a it's really kind of just you know unserious uh, kind of uh, uh, stuff. But but it, <laughs> I don't know. I I guess I guess I think it's fine. It's certainly a lot better than. What I think his last movie was, uh, uh, or no, maybe I guess his second to last movie, uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. Mm, yeah. That movie's second to poor. last. Well, ninety seven, <laughs> Almost Heroes came out ninety eight. I don't know exactly when they were produced though. You know, like Almost Heroes might have taken a while to edit. And then there's also it also <laughs> says Dirty Work in ninety eight Jimmy uncredited. So I'm not sure an uncredited. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, oh it's a Norm Macdonald movie back when Norm Macdonald would Ew. try to make. Movies. He's so gross. He's if, if moist, the word moist for a person. The word be, moist. It would be Norm Macdonald. You know how everybody's like moist. That's how I feel about Norm Macdonald. He's moist. 
<laughs> that's that's cool. So there's, so here he's Matthew Perry's character is rescuing Chris Farley from a hanging. Um. So anyway, uh, does he play pretty much Chandler? Um, is he already known as Chandler Bing? Yeah, I think so. I think this is '97. The Friends. I think I'm. Not, I'm. You know. You know. I'm definitely no Friends scholar, but I'm no, pretty no, sure no, that show had been going on for quite a while at that point. I only started watching it on reruns because I would come home and my roommate would have it on, seven yeah. to like seven thirty or something. Mm-hmm. It would be on, and I would. There, I was like, literally, I walked in and I was like, "What is this?" And she looked at me like, this is Friends. And I was like, what? What's Friends? And she's like, oh, you have to watch this. You know, you know, the thing, you know, I feel about Friends, especially more like now if I, it like, uh, remember we played uh, an, uh, an, uh, the first few minutes of an episode on Netflix. Like, I, I see it and I just think, oh, come on, this is bullshit. I know. I, well, because then they made a big deal about being on Netflix. It doesn't age well at all. And I think, like, dumb uh, uh, dumb sitcoms don't and I don't think it ever really pretended to be anything other than just a light you know dumb sitcom you know like really topical but not not like thought through you know what I mean and I think I think that's something in pop culture that I guess if someone were like like a teenager or like super young like they might actually not realize is that it's become more of a trend in popular culture in the last like 10 years or so to have to pick first of all to pay attention to previous episodes like quote-unquote canon and all that kind of thinking and then even just you know to even just just the way that that shows um uh try to um research stuff and stuff because they know the internet's gonna look into it do you know what i mean like shows where they're the, the quality the the um the throwaway factor was like extremely high a lot of friends' jokes were just these like throwaway gags. iOS 9 is out now? Yes, I just got a low battery and the reminder and then it was like, do you want to switch to low power mode? But I wasn't, even though you told me about that, I just hit cancel and didn't hit it because I was like, not used to it. Yeah, That's I think... the thing, I'm just discovering things over, you know, as you just start to move around. You're like, oh, that's new, oh, that's new. Right, I haven't done any real thorough, uh, 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 checking or deep reading on it, but there are a few things that have jumped out to me about iOS 9. That's a very good example. That one where it does now have a low power mode. I I think on on Android on on some you know on some Android devices, there's been low power mode for a while, where like the device would be running through power really fast, and you want it to be able to survive at least. So mm-hmm. turns off. You know, I think for. It turns off background tasks, which I think had become a bit uh, intense in a lot of iOS, right? But that brings me on to another 
type of sort of background task type thing, which is uh, ad blockers. So now there's one called Crystal. I got that on my iPad, and uh, what it does is it it works if you turn it on. You have to go into like your settings for Safari and enable it. And then it works like an ad blocker. And uh, from the little bit of experience I have with it, it seems to work pretty well. Pretty comparable to AdBlocker Plus on desktop. Nice. So it, the, the system level extensions or whatever uh, technology it is that enables stuff like uh, like ad blocker to happen now. So that's you know another you know another uh, tool available because I mean right like there's been this there's been some blog posts and discussion about ad blockers and it really comes down to like people have gotten fed up with how invasive how how heavily tracking and also just how inconvenient ads are and how they take over whole screens and sometimes you they seem to have deceptive touch targets or just too small touch targets to get like them out of the way mm-hmm. and it just becomes absurd right it decides be, become usable stuff chases you around as you scroll Really? You've seen some of those ads that wrap a page when you're trying to get to a web page on a mobile device, and there's that white kind of like wrap of an ad where you have to hit X somewhere. Oh, yeah, and it's so big that you have to like scroll around forever. There's a ton of anti-user patterns in in these ad technologies that have like led people to want to use to want to block them by any means necessary whether using ad blockers um you know or now you know extensions uh that that do that in safari i think you know people are people are doing that because of it's i mean of the way the market's working the way you know advertising instead of there are a few ad networks that that strive to be unobtrusive and try to just you know ask for attention instead of like trying to force it but a lot of uh ad technology these days is so it seems so anti-user that why wouldn't a user want to do something to block like an ad I mean yeah of course they're so annoying you should be able to have that ability well Google's one of the big web ad companies right uh, uh, Google just did this reorganization uh, you know you heard about that right they're, they're uh, alphabet now like they're the Google uh, the the company that was Google, it, the parent company of all the different divisions, uh, is now called Alphabet, and they have a division that's called Google that includes like pretty much all the major assets, including YouTube, Google Search, you know, uh, their AdSense, all, all all the all the major stuff is in one division called Google. But now they also have one for that thermostat called Nest. They have like a division for that. They have some of their experimental stuff. I think maybe Google Glass is in one of the other divisions. I think, but you know, that wasn't really a big product when it when they tried it. So you know, I mean, what what was your impression of all that reorganization conglomeration kind of talk? I don't know. I don't know much about Google. I don't really study them as a company too much. But I think that you know they're just trying to do something different with their business and expanding into more areas and probably from a financial standpoint it makes sense to divide up the company well now i guess they can break out results across divisions and if anything um i guess maybe they want to show how profitable 
a uh, I focused uh, Google Inc. unit uh, would be. I, I um, and and so they they're trying to uh, 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 make make it you know the the profit center the high profit division. But, uh, and it'll, it would make it probably easier to sell off divisions piece by piece. But I don't know if that's their goal. And, and it's like, don't you think that they could, they could face pressure to sell unprofitable divisions if they decide to start breaking results out? And some of the more experimental stuff, like shareholders might question whether that kind of research is really in their, their interests. Yeah. Do you, all right. If you you know people have I don't I've never really seen one of those uh, uh, Nest thermostats in the wild, but there there is there is a guy who I think he may have actually been originally from you know at one point at Apple, and he, uh, you know he designed a, a like a smart thermostat. It's it's a weird foray into home electronics, you know, like the heating. Right? Isn't that basically what it does? It controls well, it, and it memorizes when you're home and it's just creepy. Well, it tries to, exactly, it tries to, I guess, maximize the efficiency of your um, heating and cooling uh, uh, machinery. But I thought about it and I don't know exactly how they provision for people with pets, but I, I gotta think, like, people people a lot of people have have pets in the house uh you know we we have birds uh, i i would not want the house to get cooler during the day and in fact we, you know the, the thermostat we had at the house that we lived in in ohio uh, we could have turned the heater on a timer well it had like a basic timer functionality like you know it had like clock radio level functionality built into that thermostat so like you said you know, it's it, it has it's for certain efficiency, but I guess the the thing about it is is it would make its own decisions about when to kind of heat and cool and stuff. And it was so loud. I remember that. Can can you imagine something like a Nest thermostat for you, like where you would be the person that would want to be you would want to be in charge of whether the heat was being turned off at the moment or not right like i have a hard time imagining you letting like a machine decide what the appropriate level of heat is in a moment well i think it's supposed to learn right so if it shuts it off and i go and turn it back on and it shuts it off and i do it, it's gonna be like okay she doesn't want me to shut it off <laughs> she keeps turning me back on isn't it kind of like a howl-ish kind of robot-y learn isn't the whole point of it I, I I mean that sounds like a really cool, a really cool way to do it. I mean if it if it works like that, then I. You've been listening to the. DJMCloud.com podcast with me, Dan McKeown, and with Jessica McKeown. Now, if you uh, want to check out my website, you can go to PacificPelican.us or DanMcKeown.info. They both got links to stuff. Uh, and if you want to see Jessica's website, uh, check out Jessica.SF3AM.com and check the updates there. Uh, 
she uh, is a yoga teacher in the Seattle area, so see if she has something listed in her social media if you're a yogi. And this show has been recorded on September 23rd, 2015 in Seattle, Washington.